there are services that you just can't wait to be in and to be with people that you love and and uh, this has been one of those mornings that with great anticipation wanting to be in service with you and as it is um, very obvious I guess with my demeanor this morning that I'm carrying a, a real heavy burden and that burden has to do with the word that I'm presenting today because it's not always easy when you are speaking with people that you, you have you understand that eternity is is uh, as at stake in the lives of, of those that you speak to and this is not something that you take lightly and this morning I want you to uh, take your Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And if you uh, saw the our post on our website, and you would notice this particular picture that we put on this morning or, or yesterday, and the heading if you have a hard time seeing it, it says no participation trophy. No participation trophy. And the trophy is the rapture. And what I want to speak to you on this morning is that according to most churches that you will hear messages concerning the rapture, most all believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ and the rapture, as what we term as the rapture, believe that it is a participation trophy type of event, which means basically this, that all you have to do is at one time have made a confession in Christ, and you're going to get to go and participate in this event. I can't find that to be true in the Word. And so that is the reason why that it is such a heaviness on my heart that you understand the truth concerning this. Now, I want you to separate your mind from two events. One is eternal, your eternal salvation. And the rapture are two different things. And I don't want you to get them confused. There's a couple of things that you need to know this morning. Number one is this world is headed to hell in a handbasket. And it just doesn't appear to be any break in the speed that we are picking up heading that way. We are all shaking our heads of very confused about the, the time and, and the blindness of people. And we know that is taking place, but we, many do not realize that what we are just on the brink of is what the Bible in the book of Revelation speaks of a time of tribulation. Now, following the time of tribulation is then the wrath of God. Those also are two events. The tribulation, as we've been studying 
as we understand it out of the book of Revelation and we see the seals that were open and this is released those things, those hellish things so that the devil will have his way for a season. But then after that will be the wrath of the Lamb and that is something that I don't want to be a part of, neither do I want any of you. So I want you to understand the word. And so this morning we're dealing with the qualifications of the rapture. Who's going to go? I want you to look in with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 as we quoted or said verse number 24 Listen to what the Word of God says. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? I underlined that in my Bible, all run. But then there is conjunction, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. The Apostle Paul here is saying that this is not going to be a participation trophy handout. Only one's going to get a prize. And so you've got to run to obtain. Verse 25 says, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. And so we understand where he was going to with this. He said, if you are actually running and you are, you are more than just someone who is there or runs, but you're a competitive, you're going to be temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown Look what he says, but we for an imperishable crown. There's something to do. We are saved by grace. Nothing of our part did we do. You can't win your salvation. But I have been stating this for a long time, for several, several months. You can't earn your salvation. That's given freely by Jesus Christ and he paid the price. He did it all. There is nothing but one thing that we're required is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive that. From that point on, I want to tell you folks, it's up to us of what you want of your future. Because every one of you are going to spend eternity somewhere and do you know that what you do after you're saved has a lot to do with your eternal existence? If you've got this idea that we're going to float around on clouds and playing harps for a billion years, as a matter of fact, that don't even sound too, too attractive to me. Amen? My desire is not just to miss hell. My desire is to please the one who saved me and to prepare for what he has for me, for my future, which is going to be an eternal existence. I want to work for what he has in store for me. Now, 
When we understand these basic things, there are three parts of this message this morning. First of all, I want to talk about what we are and if we are really saved. Because, you see, this is the primary and the most important thing. Am I saved? And what is my attitude towards sin? That is a critical question. What is my attitude towards sin? If you are willfully sinning, what is your attitude toward that? Do you think, well, well, the blood of Jesus takes care of that. God's taking care of my sins, both past, present, and future. Is that an attitude toward your willfully disobeying what the Word of God says concerning anything? And so we have to understand that when Jesus came, He did not come to save us in our sins, but to save us from our sins. And someone says, well, we're not under law anymore, so therefore we're not under the, the judgment. The Bible says that we are free from the law of sin and death. But I want to tell you, the commandments of God are still in existence today. We're not done away with. They were not cast aside. Jesus didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. And he did so in order that he might be the sacrifice, the sinless son of God. Flesh can't save you. There's no one going to ever enter through the gates of heaven on the merits of what they did in themselves. Their own self cannot save you. Flesh cannot. And so we had to have a substitute and Jesus became our substitute. He took our place. But you see, we can't overcome sin. And what I have been preaching on, and this will be the primary part of this message today, is that we must be an overcomer, which means we overcome the devil, the flesh, and the world. Those are three of the enemy areas of our lives, and we must be overcomers. But we say, well, preacher, most will excuse, I can't. So Jesus takes my place, and so I'm, I, I, I can continue in my sins. I can continue to do what I want to. But I want to tell you something, folks. Jesus, you in your own ability cannot live a righteous life and you cannot be an overcomer in your own abilities. You can't ever get good enough. You can't ever get righteous enough. You, can't never, you can never get strong enough because we do not have the power within ourselves. But then what do we do? Then Jesus has to do it for us. But let me tell you something. Jesus does not come alongside of you and help you lift the weights and overcome the trials. But what he does is to take your place. Now the only way that he can take your place is that there's no you. Because it can't be you and God. It's got to be God or you. 
And so how, that God, how does God take my place then? How does God, how does Jesus help me overcome? It's strictly through this way. Jesus said it to a man who said, how can I inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus said, you must be born again. Which means, and he says, well, I'm confused. How? What am I supposed to, to enter again into my mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, no, that's, and he explained the only way that you can be born again is for you to die. And without death of yourself, you cannot be born again. Because when you die on the cross with Christ, only one's coming off of that cross. You are Christ. You don't have the ability to serve and to live for God. In your own strength, you must allow Him to live for you. He becomes your substitute. But it means that he has taken your place. And it means that you have no power within yourself. So you must constantly be coming under the understanding that it's Jesus and not me. And I cannot live my own way and do my own thing. I must do what he wants me to do. He's in control. He's in control. Is that making any sense to you? We die to our lives. And then you say, well, this new life, what God does, he says, I'll not just be with you anymore. I'm going to be with you and in you. And so he sends the Holy Spirit, which is the power of God, that empowers us through him to do things that we cannot do. And that's why we can say in the scripture in Ephesians, I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me. It is not in my strength or my ability. And the only way that I can be an overcomer. Is by the power of the Holy Spirit. That dwells within me. And so there are things that are necessary. So number one. Have you been born again? And if you have genuinely been born again. You have an attitude towards sin. That would be similar to what God's attitude towards sin is. Doesn't mean you're not going to sin, but when you do, it's going to break your heart just like it breaks God's heart. And if you don't have a brokenness over your sinfulness, then you're not born again. And this is it. Because the nature of Christ now dwells in you. And you think like God, that we don't have our mind, the mind, we put on the mind of Christ and the mind of Christ is a mind of overcoming. And so the power of God gives us. So number one, make sure that you are genuinely born again. Because if you are not, you can go, you can go from a church role to an eternal place in hell. You can go from a church pew into the lake of fire. Make sure of your salvation. The second part of this message, I want to talk about the fact of how do we qualify for the rapture. Now the rapture is a qualification that comes to an overcomer. Now you read this any way you want to. I know how I've studied this and see it 
in the Word of God. Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into this rapture. As a matter of fact, there are seven, at least seven raptures that are found in the Bible. There's going to be raptures yet, according to the book of Revelation. There is one that we anticipate, and that is the rapture that is going to happen at any moment now, and that is when the bride of Christ is going to be taken to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Are you qualified for that? There are Bible, Bible for qualifications to be a part of the bride, the bride. And so in all the raptures of the scripture, there are qualifications for every one of them. When you go back to the Old Testament and you look at Enoch and you, and you, and you look at Elijah and you go into the New Testament and you find when Jesus was resurrected and the Bible says when he came out of the grave that there were many of the old saints who rose with him. And they were seen walking around Jerusalem. And so that was a resurrection. That was the first fruits of the resurrection. And so the qualifications, the Bible says, let's look at these. There are seven of them. Seven qualifications for this next rapture. And that's the bride of Christ and the coming of Jesus Christ. Now tonight I'm going to be talking about, and it is, if you care about your eternal soul, you need to be listening. You need to be here. Because we're going to talk about the two garments. The garment of salvation and the garment of righteousness. And how this applies to the things that I'm speaking to you on this morning. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, you don't have to go to all of these, write these scriptures down. These are the seven qualifications that are without any kind of reservation and no argument because they're there. These are the qualifications for the rapture. Matthew 24, 42 through 44 says these words, Watch therefore, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what, in, in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched, he would have watched, and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be you also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. So there is a qualification right there. He's coming for those that are watching for him. If you are caught up in this world and there is no consciousness of the fact that Jesus is coming and that your heart is being ready for the fact that you're going to spend eternity somewhere. So the first is this. Watch, watch therefore. I'm not going to read all of the scriptures, but the Bible carries on with that same in the book of Mark chapter 13, and it says, watch and pray when it talks about the coming of the Lord, that you are not to only watch, but you're to be praying. And when we understand what that praying means, I'm going to say that, I'm going to show that to you in the last part of this sermon today. But so you're to watch. Number two, you're to be in prayer. Number three, according to Luke chapter 21, verse 36, the Bible says that you are to be worthy. Pray that you will be worthy of this 
And so there is, there is a fact that you've got to prepare yourself for the worthiness of the rapture. You say, well, I'll never be. Well, God would not given us instruction. I'm, on, I'm giving you the reasons in what you're to do. Right now, we're talking about the qualifications. This is the scripture. Number five, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7 and 1, that we are to cleanse ourselves, be clean, constantly washing ourselves by the word of God, washing and cleaning our, cleansing ourselves. And then Revelation 2 and 3, the chapters 2 and 3, is number 6, and that is to be an overcomer. To be an overcomer. And then the last of these I want to read to you, number 7, because it has to do with being an overcomer. But in Revelation chapter, uh, chapter 12 and verse 11, listen to what the Word of God says. And they overcame him, that's the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life to death. There are three things about an overcomer. Number one is that they understand that it's through the blood of the Lamb. You are not even, you're not going to overcome anything until you're saved. And the only way you are saved is through the blood of the Lamb. It is through His blood. He's already paid the price for you to be saved. And it's through the blood of the Lamb. And then it says by the word of their testimony. Which means that you have a word of testimony. Of how God has given you victory over the world. And how you walk in victory. And how you are a child of God. And you have a testimony in your life. If you are saved. You have a testimony. And then third. You don't love your life to the point that you're willing to die because you know that your life is in Christ anyway. And so those are the seven qualifications for the rapture is that you have to understand the word. Study those things out. And this, this, the third of these things this morning, I want to talk about the seven blessings of the overcomer because not only are we overcomers by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony and that we love not our lives to death, but there are, the Bible speaks of seven blessings for the overcomer. Do you want to, I want to read those to you. Here they are, and they're found in the book of Revelation. He constantly gives us what it is in our rewards for an overcomer. Number one, Revelation 2 and 7 said, we'll eat of the tree of life to be an overcomer We'll get to participate of that beautiful, those trees of life in the midst of the throne of God. The second is in Revelations 2 and 11, that you'll not be hurt by the second death. In other words, you're not going to die an eternal death if you are an overcomer. Number three is in Revelations 2.17, that you will receive the hidden manna, a white stone, and a new name. These are the rewards for the overcomer. And then in Revelations 2.26, you've been given power over the nations. If you live an overcoming life, it is going to qualify you to serve in the kingdom of God in position of authority. You will be given power over nations. You will be given a position of authority. It's worth it to me to understand that I don't know how God's eternity is going to be set up. 
But I do know one thing, that there is a constant crying out from the Word of God. Prepare yourself because you're not just going to be saved for heaven. You're going to be saved for a position in eternity. To be used in the kingdom of God. Heaven is not just having a mansion where you're going to go around visiting folks day and night or going to the throne room of God for a season and, and worshiping and praising God and then going about walking around the street and eating the, of the fruit. Heaven is the capital city. And you will go in and out of that city. Don't get caught up in the fairy tale of most churches who don't tell you the full truth of the Word of God. And then the next is in the book of Revelations 3 and 5. The Bible says you'll be clothed in white. Your name will be written in the book of life. And God or Jesus will confess you before God. Hallelujah. In Revelations 3 and 12, it says that you will be a pillow in the temple of God and God's name will be written on you. You're going to be in position of authority. That's why I work for, to be an overcomer. In Revelation 3.21, the greatest of all of these, of the rewards of an overcomer, is that you will sit with Christ on His throne. Amen. That's Revelation 3.21. These are the benefits, the blessings of being an overcomer. It is wonderful. It's marvelous to behold. Now I want to close with this. And, and again, I can't, all I do is give you just a, the briefing of the message on Sunday morning. I just don't have time. And I, I, I don't want to lose you. I don't want you to miss the truth. I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to miss the rapture. I don't want you to be fooled. I want you to hear the truth. The Word of God is the most important thing that goes out of this church. Amen. Because there's where the life is. The life or death is in the Word. And when we understand the blessings of the overcomer, turn with me in your Bibles to this scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And there are seven final instructive words that you are to do as a child of God. And this, when you do these seven things. You see how many sevens we had this morning? Isn't it marvelous when you understand how God's Word is written? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 16, you are given seven things that you are to continue to do. This should be a mark of what you do every day of your life. Number one, the Bible says in verse 16, rejoice always. In other words, in the midst of, of confusion, you rejoice. In the midst of trials, you rejoice. In the midst of pain, you rejoice. In the midst of confusion, you rejoice. When someone talks about you or slanders you or hurts you, you rejoice. Rejoice always. In other words, there should never be anything that happens to your life that will bring out of you anything but rejoicing. The Word of God says that. This is the power of the child of God. 
rejoice in all things. In tribulations rejoice. In trials rejoice. In persecutions rejoice. In times of sorrow, in times of weeping, in times of, of, of loss, rejoice, rejoice. If you've lost your job, find the power that God has in you to rejoice because in Christ Jesus, everything works out to the good. If you will keep your head up and you rejoice, you've got to be an overcomer of the things that are sent against your life. Some of you face some stuff this week. What did it bring out of you? Rejoicing, complaining, confusion, cursing, irritation, aggravation, giving up. Do you know what you do? If you lose your rejoice, you find somebody to point your finger at and blame them for the troubles of your life. But the Bible says we, re we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Amen. But it is against the principalities and power. So rejoice always. Number two, pray without ceasing. Do not have a prayerless life. You will never overcome by standing in your own strength, but on the bowing your knee before God and praying in all things with prayer and supplication. Let your request be known to God. Pray about it. Pray about it. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Amen? Just don't worry about it. Pray about it. There is an overcomer. There's an overcomer in you. There's an overcomer in me. This is the goal of my, these next 10 years for my life is that I want to become an overcomer in all things. I begin to list the things that overcome me and I'm tired of being overcome. I intend to be an overcomer and when Jesus returns, I'm going to be able to lift my arms up and say by His grace and power, I did what He said. I am an overcomer. I am an overcomer. Pray without ceasing, number three, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks. Have you given thanks this morning? What have you had to happen that you needed to give thanks for? Hey, hey, kids, young people, don't just give thanks at a meal. Give thanks every day. When you wake up in the morning, God's given you another day. Give thanks. Oh, it's easy to give thanks when we have beautiful sunshine, spring weather like we're having today. But when it's cold and icy and snowing and sleeting and all kinds, can we give thanks? Oh, God, we're alive. Have you ever walked out in, a, in the sleet and the cold and say, God, I think you can feel the cold on my feet? There are people that can't. They would love to walk outside in the cold. Amen? So in all things, I, 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 I can't spend a lot of time on this. So that's number three. Number four, don't quench the Spirit of God. Just don't do it. Don't, don't make the Holy Spirit sad. Don't. Don't stop him when he speaks to you. Follow through with what he says to you. Be obedient to God. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what people are going to say. Just obey God. Do what he tells you to do. Number five, don't despise prophecies. In other words, 
Love what God has to say to you. Don't, don't get angry when God, you read the scripture or someone preaches a truth to you and you say, I don't like that. If it's the word of God, don't despise it. Don't, don't despise somebody telling you the truth. If someone looks at you and say, you're sinning, you know you're sinning. You know you should not be doing that. Don't be, don't be angry. Don't despise or quench the spirit and don't despise prophecy. Number six, test all things. Hold fast what is good. Grab a hold of what is true and good and hold to it. And don't you let it go for any reason. And number seven, abstain from every form of evil. Abstain from it. Just, you know what abstaining is? I mean, you know what abstaining is? Just abstain. Stay away from it. Don't do it. If drinking is wrong, abstain. If cursing is wrong, abstain. Committing sexual sins are wrong, abstain. Just abstain. Live right before God. And then we close with this verse. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body Listen to this. Be preserved, blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That not only your spirit saved, but that your body be blameless too. That you can stand when Jesus, the trump, if that was the trump of God, that quick is how, it's going to be quicker than that as a matter of fact. But it's the trump of God's sounds that you can say, I don't have to make anything right because I have done what I know to do is right. Rely upon the word of God. Come on, brother. Understand that God has given us. Can I give you a memory verse to memorize today? And if you that have come back tonight have this verse of scripture memorized, and that is Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Hebrews 12 and 1. Prepare your hearts to receive this morning because at the close of this service, we're going to do communion. We're going to remember the Lord's body. We're going to remember what he has done for us. Oh, he paid a great price for us. I love him this morning. And I love you. Would you stand?